0: Welcome to EDI on BIV. I'm Hayley Wooden, executive editor at business in vancouver today we're discussing progressive aboriginal relations and how relationships between indigenous businesses and the broader corporate community in canada can be improved my co-host on the show today is chastity davis alphonse a multi-award-winning indigenous relations strategic advisor and the founder of chastity davis consulting she's also the editor of bib's upcoming indigenous business magazine coming out in june chastity thanks for joining us once again on the show
1: Thanks for having me, Haley. Happy to be here.
0: And we're speaking today with Tabitha Bull, President and CEO of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business, which, among other things, runs the Progressive Aboriginal Relations Program or PAR program, a premier corporate social responsibility program in Canada. Tabitha, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be
0: here. Why don't we start with this idea of progressive Aboriginal relations? How do you define that? What does that mean to you and CCAB? Sure.
2: Thank you. So, Progressive Rapid Mental Relations is is a trademark program that actually is in its twentieth year this year. Um, it is a program that corporations undertake, looking across their whole organization. So, there's a set of certain criteria, and they look across under four pillars: um, employee employee development. So, not just how many indigenous employees do we have, but are we creating a safe space in our interviewing? Are we ensuring there's no bias within interviewing? Are we ensuring there's an opportunity for Indigenous employees to rise up within the organization? And also what, you know, what does our leadership look like in terms of Indigenous people? Uh, Business development, which would be things like procurement. So do we have a policy to ensure that we're procuring from Indigenous business? Um, Are there potential mentorship programs that they can do to support Indigenous business? Or or perhaps partnership programs. So actually entering into equity partnerships with Indigenous communities or businesses. Community relations. So that's, you know, definitely for resource extraction companies, uh, very different Uh, in how they're really working with the communities that they may be impacting or again potentially partnering with them but then we also have businesses that are in the uh, program that that may be not as much impactful from a community land perspective but really just wanting to understand how they can do better with Indigenous people across the country Um, and then leadership actions so Those might be things like encouraging their suppliers to go through the PAR program or encouraging their suppliers to ensure that they have uh, a procurement strategy as well. And the program, um, so it's about three years to go through this commitment process. And the important thing is that it's first, uh, you have a working group that's across your whole organization. So it doesn't just sit within EDI or HR. Uh, You would have representatives on your working group across your organization and you have leadership buy-in and commitment to the program as well. So I, prior to coming to CCAB, led the First Nation and Métis Relations team at Ontario's Electricity Operator. Um, And I had a very small team. It's an organization of over 700 people, but I had about five people on my team. Um, And in that area, it's very difficult to make sure that there's an Indigenous lens put on every communication that goes out, that HR is really looking at that. So Um, I know from experience that this, this working group from the top, uh, is so important. Um, so you, you, the other really important part is that it's about setting your own intentions. So every organization looks at that criteria and decides where they can really make an impact. So it's more, you know, not one size fits all. It's really about what an organization believes they can do. Then they put those into practice. And in the third year, they have up to three years to, to do the, that all into practice their programs measure against that and then we have independent to ccab indigenous verifiers that go into the organization speak with indigenous employees speak with the communities they're working with speak with leadership um, look at if they've made a commitment to procurement how they've done on that Um, and then they recommend a level of certification to indigenous Again, independent of CCAB jurors, um, and then you'd have a level certification of bronze, silver, or gold. So we have about 36 businesses that are certified, uh, but total 145 across Canada in the program right now. So it's it's been a real uh, couple of years of growth in the last two years, um, which I think is, you know, as all organizations are looking at EDI, uh, it's been really exciting.
0: That's great. And I like that it's a three year commitment, because to me, that suggests that systemic change within an organization, it's not going to happen overnight, that this is it takes time and you have to do the work and it's going to take three years until you can get to a a certain level. Yeah, I think it's so important that it's a, a journey,
2: right? Everybody's on this, this journey of understanding what their organization can do. And, and, and working with the community and their Indigenous people that work there to understand, you know, what is best and what would make make a brave, safe space. So um, the other is that every two years, uh, corporations have to recertify. So it's not like you can get a gold certification and just have that forever. You really need to continue to demonstrate that you're meeting uh, that criteria.
1: Yes, that's great. Um, In my career, uh, early in my career, I was with a big corporation and took part in the PAR process. Um, And it is quite in depth. um, And I did feel like it encourages uh, corporations to really take a deep dive into um, looking at progressive Indigenous relations and all those areas that uh, indigenous peoples and truth and reconciliation can be woven in so um a fan of the program for sure i did you did quote some numbers of um about 146 companies have taken part um to what extent do you feel that corporate canada has adopted what adopted what you would consider to be progressive Indigenous relations. So those there's 146. But what else um, do you think uh, can be done? Or where do you think corporations uh, can take part? I think so. I think there's we've seen some really great um, progress. And,
2: um, you know, I know we talk a lot and CCAB's talked a lot about some of those organizations that are already certified. So Suncor is an example, BC Hydro, uh, um, OPG. So energy sector, um, of course, and all of the major banks. Um, and I think the part of that also is that there's this really um, commitment to procurement. And we also see that having such a huge impact on the communities and businesses that they work with and, the really um, exciting part of that is the intergenerational wealth that that's created. So recently, um, I have these coffee connection meetings just with um, once a month with our members, and recently we had a a young woman there who had started her own business, and and she spoke about remembering. Uh, when her dad started his own business. And he did that because Suncor had a procurement policy to support indigenous business. And she said, if that hadn't happened and he didn't have a business, she probably wouldn't have finished high school and she definitely wouldn't have been a business owner herself. So I think that is so important is that that generational wealth that, that, that procurement policies like that create. Um, but we're seeing really mm-hmm. incredible also interest from tech sector so uber as an example is now going through the par program so that's a new organization fairly new organization um but they really came to us and wanted to understand what they could do like what more could they do to support indigenous business and indigenous people and i i think also um there's a pressure now on corporations to demonstrate their values and not just for the consumer to attract good consumers but also to attract talent young people definitely are wanting to work for a company whose values align with theirs so i think there's two things i think some corporations are definitely doing it because they believe in it and their leaders do but then there's also corporations who are really um knowing that they're going to have to to attract consumer and to to attract good talent.
0: Would you say this program is one that lends itself to businesses of all sizes and across all sectors or is it better suited to say large organizations in certain sectors?
2: So actually we um, and maybe Chastity when you were through the program it it was quite intense and and, um, it was a lot of work and but it should be a lot of work. Uh, It's not you know, about just signing a declaration to say that you're committed. It really does need to be work. You have to put the work in. But we have um, revised the program a little bit, so so we introduce this commitment portion that has three phases to really help uh, businesses through the process, so they understand uh, the different phases of that program. But then recently, we introduced a par for small business. So for businesses that have a smaller number of employees with a lesser amount of criteria, uh, because we were hearing from smaller businesses that it was quite a big process uh, for them to be able to go through if they only had five employees, but they wanted to be understand how they could do better. And, and a guided process is something that's so much more helpful. Uh, So we have recently adopted that, and we are um, also looking at developing uh, par for government so that we can work with ministries and organizations within government to also support them in understanding um, where across their organizations they can do better in their relationships with business and and people and Indigenous leaders.
1: And um... Do you, have you launched the government portion yet? Or do you have a timeline for that? And I and also interested in um, if there's been any initial interest or uptake um, for that program.
2: So we've definitely had, we've had a couple conversations with government and there is interest. We're, we're looking at more doing a bit of a pilot to see how it will work. Just um, with governments changing every three years with every election uh how does that work for a certification portion of it so we have had interest though from a couple of different ministries and in the federal government and we've had some conversations with some provincial governments as well Uh, so which which is really exciting to see so um we're hoping to launch a bit of a pilot with a couple organizations just to test it out and then uh go a little bit more public
0: I want to ask you too, as you evolve the program to meet varying needs or take advantage of other opportunities, are you also redefining what it means to be progressive? So hopefully as what was yesterday's progressive becomes more standard, are you constantly looking ahead to sort of redefine the new standards that we should all be striving toward? Yeah, that's a great
2: question. I think
0: I think um, on its own, it
2: um, naturally or organically becomes that way, partially because Businesses have to recertify, but then also there is a bit of a, a bit of a competition, you know, if, if one bank gets gold and the other bank doesn't, or if we see, you know, within certain sectors, um, it kind of creates this like, okay, I, I need to do better. And what could I do? Um, and then definitely we, we see when, when someone is certified and maybe they're certified silver, Those companies are so invested that they're going right back to the drawing board to say, like, how do we get gold next time? How can we continue to do better? And I think, as we said at the beginning, it's such a journey, the path on what you're doing. And I think even with truth and reconciliation, um, it's a journey. It's about learning a truth and then reconciling that and then learning another truth and reconciling that. So I think we see that progression happen as well um, across a number of different organizations. And, and and I think also because we see new sectors, so educational institutions and, and companies like Uber and, and IT companies, they have an opportunity or maybe looking at it from a different lens to do something new. Um, and then that kind of circles back to the other organizations also.
0: What a great thing though, to have companies competing to be more and more progressive and to one-up each other in that way, though. That's that's a great sort of definition of progress. Yeah, um, I'll also say,
2: and this is a huge, um, that's kind of happened just two days ago. Uh, so uh, we have done some work with Share, um, Shareholders Research uh, Group and NATOA, the National Aboriginal Trust Association, um, looking at investors, Uh, Ability to um, push for Indigenous inclusion. And the shareholders of both Sun Life and uh, most recently TMX uh, just yesterday um, voted on a shareholder resolution to ensure that TMX has an Indigenous inclusion policy and that they go through some type of program similar to PAR. And 98% of the shareholders voted in favor. So I think when we see organizations like TMX come on board and really start to under, try to understand how they can do better, that's going to, like, across the financial sector, make such a big impact. And, and we see other real leaders in that space. So um, Deloitte, as an example had already developed which was called a reconciliation action plan. And this is something um, that they have in Australia. Many corporations have to have a reconciliation action plan in, in Australia and they have to post it publicly as well on their website. Um, so Deloitte has, has already done that, but now they're going through the par process as well just to realign uh, the work that they're doing. And I have to apologize for my dog. (laughs) You can hear that.
1: It's all good. It's part of the COVID um, working from home uh, reality. So thank you so much for sharing. All of that is super exciting. And you're talking about the impact uh, through the business community and um, the impact that's happening through the corporations. I'm interested in hearing your perspective on how those impacts trickle down into, um, community and, uh, and and like, and indigenous peoples. Uh, so the stats on the communities
2: in the Fort McMurray area, oil sands area, is that the average, uh, income is 75,000 a year. And if you look at the average income in Alberta, um, it's closer to around 46. So, as I said, those stats are a little bit old and definitely, um, we know the impact that has happened of late with COVID and, and on the oil and gas sector in Alberta. So we are looking at, at redoing that type of study to really understand that impact of, of procurement and supporting and employing Indigenous people in the community. Um, I think the other definitely is the opportunity for Indigenous youth to be able to see uh, their leaders in in roles within a corporation that are more senior and to also see, uh, the leaders within their community own their own businesses and, and, um, be able to support the community through their business. The other thing is we, we know from our research at CCAB and, and this is probably well known as well, but that. um, Particularly Indigenous women entrepreneurs, uh, over 70% of them say that supporting their community and their relationship with their community is their most important relationship in their business plan. And we also know that Indigenous businesses um, have within their values uh, sustainability and environment and giving back to their community, which I think now that ESG is such a popular conversation, um, it is a bit of, you know, Indigenous people have been doing this Since we started trading with with settlers um, in a business way. So um, I think that that as we see more Indigenous businesses grow across the country, it's going to have a positive impact both on the community and the environment uh, across Canada.
0: I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Tabitha, in the interest of, say, trying to facilitate greater representation of Indigenous businesses and leaders within the economy, on boards, within workplaces. Do you subscribe to the idea that having mandatory requirements would be helpful, or do you think that voluntary programs that are really great, like PAR, for example, get us there enough and there's enough interest from the business community in participating on a voluntary basis?
2: It's a good question, and and I did have the opportunity to participate in the federal government's program, the Fifty Thirty Challenge, and in, in developing that program, um, and and I'm now working on like what that means uh, with some incredible leaders at Ryerson and Diversity Institute. Um, I think I think on boards, a mandatory requirement or moving towards a mandatory requirement on corporate boards is definitely possible. And I think we do need that. Um, as much as you know, PAR is voluntary and we do see a big uh influence there and a, and huge growth there and and growth in our membership as well. So both Indigenous and non-Indigenous businesses are members of CCAB and our and our membership is growing even during this last year of COVID. Uh, so I think there is definitely an, an interest, but I think the board part about um Just board governance and that it's so common that you everybody on the board is from someone, you know, it's always like a few degrees of separation, um, even though that's not the best governance, but it you kind of go to your network when you're looking for people that are on a board. And um, there are there are so many incredible indigenous leaders out there and indigenous PhDs and and that, but they're just not in that network of corporate Canada yet. Um, So I think we need to actively require that corporations seek out and find Indigenous leaders. The last time that the um, uh, corporate boards had to be, uh, had to declare their board diversity, so um, there was only seven Indigenous leaders on corporate boards in Canada of that had to um declare which i think was over 230 or so businesses that had to declare and that's seven leaders so if you think an average of like 10 people on a board it's like seven of 2300 spots or more and it's i was reading the report last fall and i turned to my husband and i was like i could probably name those people and not that you know i definitely don't know every possible (laughs) incredible indigenous leader out there but um We just so often see the same common indigenous, incredible indigenous people. But I think also um, if we don't start to spread that network and grow that network, we're going to overburden those those few people. And and we need to really be bringing up more in terms of executive leadership. um, I think that's more of a goal because I really think there needs to be an opportunity for people to be promoted within an organization and to grow into those leadership roles rather than. Uh, organizations feeling they had a requirement to, to uh, bring in from outside. Um, I think organizations need to be looking at, like, how are we growing Indigenous people within our organization? Um, so that's going to take a little bit more time. And I think every organization needs to have the flexibility to be able to figure out how they're going to do that.
1: Thank you, Tabitha. Um, I have the last question here, and uh, I'm interested in hearing about your vision or CCAB's vision for the Progressive Aboriginal Relations uh, Program and or economic reconciliation. Thanks. So,
2: um, you know, definitely on, on par. It's been my kind of dream that we would see on the TSX uh, stock exchange everybody's par certification level, so that people know if they're investing in an organization how they are working with Indigenous people and in, on economic reconciliation. Um, and apparently that's not that hard. So I did have the opportunity to speak with the CEO of TMX um, before the shareholder meeting, and and he was he. I, it was pretty positive at that, that, that maybe not on the TSX in the newspaper, but that we could definitely let investors know. Um, I think also on par, it would be uh, incredible long-term to, to see again an investment opportunity, um, like a mutual fund of organizations that we know are doing well with Indigenous people and Indigenous communities. And then as an investor, I could say, I want to, I want to invest in those companies because I believe in what they're doing. Um, I think also we need to think about ESG and ESG goals and where Indigenous relations fits into that. Um, some people are talking about ESGI, but really when you think about ESG, Indigenous culture and values fit into each, each of those. Um, so I think we need to have a bit more of that conversation. And then also we are, um, as Indigenous National Organizations, so together with with NACA, which is uh, the National Aboriginal Capital Corporations Association, and NIDB, uh, National Indigenous Economic Development Board, ourselves and Indigenous Works and CANDU are putting together a National Indigenous Economic Strategy um, that will have a series of calls to economic prosperity that that anyone could answer. So kind of similar to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but really talking about economic development and how do we create that generational wealth and own source revenue in communities. Um, So I'm really looking forward to, to what will come out of that.
0: That sounds very exciting. I encourage listeners to head on over to the CCAB.com website to learn more about PAR and what we've been talking about. And Tabitha, really quickly before we let you go, you mentioned before we hit record an event coming up. So maybe you can share what that is with our listeners.
2: Yes, thank you, Haley. Uh, So we have our Indigenous Women in Leadership Award event on June 17th. It's, of course, a virtual event, uh, but it's our fifth uh, year of awarding this this award. And and this year it's going to Chief Tammy Cook-Searson. Um, but we are really excited that our previous award winners are coming back. So, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, uh, Roberta Jameson, Nicole Boucher, and Deborah Saucier. Um, and they will all be coming back and talking about their journeys to where they are. And then we'll have a really great discussion with them as well, uh, sharing and sharing with, with the new leader, which, um, so important that we continue to hold up our matriarchs and women in our culture and, um, really to shine a light on that strength. So I'm really looking forward to that. And so pleased that they all agreed to return as well.
0: Sounds like an amazing event. And Tabitha, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and join our EDI and BIV podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Chi-miigwech. That's Tabitha Bull, President and CEO of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. Joining us today on the show, my co-host, Chastity Davis-Alphonse, the founder of Chastity Davis Consulting. And this has been EDI on BIV. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks so much for joining us. We publish new episodes of our show every Tuesday, so check back in with us next week.